freedom. It's something we cherish in this country. The idea of a free society is embedded into the very core of our nation. Many have died defending it, and many have fought diligently to preserve it. So where has it gone? We've become a nation bound by division, chained by hatred, and consumed by selfishness. There's an epidemic of violence, poverty, brokenness. Does this look like freedom? The Bible tells us we're called to be free, but it also says to use that freedom to serve one another humbly, in love. Maybe that's what we're missing in America. Today, we celebrate Independence Day. Perhaps it's time we recognize that true independence is found only in a lasting dependence on God. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hey, good morning. morning. Welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it is a great joy, truly a joy to be here with you. For those of you that maybe are new here, uh, it is just, I'm excited that you're here and you're able to join us, whether online or in person. For those of you that have been here for a couple of weeks and you're like, this guy, I don't recognize him, it's because I was on vacation, so it's good. I'm glad to be back. Uh, Got some recharge going. I, I actually was able to go to to annual conference, which is uh, for the United Methodist Church. It's like our Missouri annual conference. We get together all the pastors and clergy, uh, not all of the clergy, but pastors and clergy. We descended upon Branson and we were able to uh, to live it up for a few days uh, and do some of the business of the church. One of the things that happens at annual conference is the appointment of pastors and I put it out on Facebook, but uh, it's not certain until it's certain. I mean, I was pretty certain, like 99.9%. Uh, but at annual conference, my name was written there and Cassidy was still there. So I'm not going anywhere. Uh, for some of you, that's a joy. For others, you're like, oh man, I was really wishing we were getting a new pastor. Uh, and I'm okay with that. It's okay. We're going we're gonna to get through this together. And then I got to go on vacation. Uh, I got to go, uh, I drove down to Houston. So I came back Sunday from annual conference, washed my clothes, and then packed everything up, including my dog and my car. And I headed to the promised land of Houston, Texas. That's where I grew up. That's where my mom lives. My kids were flying in and we were all going to meet. And I was so excited. And my GPS took me in a weird direction. It said, hey, go through Arkansas. Not normally. I, I typically go through Oklahoma. It said, go through Arkansas. And I typically listen to the robots because I get freaked out if I don't have somebody telling me what to do. Uh, and so I was driving to Houston and about three hours in, I was in Arkansas, deep in Arkansas, uh, and, and, uh, my air conditioner started doing this weird thing, like not blowing cold air. It was awful. Uh, this was the day, I don't know, like the high temperature I saw was 104. 
Uh, I was driving through like Shreveport, Louisiana, and it was 104 degrees. And when you have all the windows down and the sunroof open and you're just trucking it, uh, it still feels like you're driving in a hairdryer. Uh, there's not a lot of cool air that's coming in. And I'm like, I'm worried my dog isn't going to make it because I'm squirting him down with water in the passenger seat, just trying to survive the heat. And this was like three and a half. It's a 10 and a half hour drive. Normally it took us about 11 and a half hours to get there. I remember when we drove into Houston, it got down to 96 and I looked over at my dog and I was like, Oh, do we need sweaters? What's happening here? Like it was And the difference between 104 and 96 is substantial if you're driving with the windows open. So that whole trip, I was like, Lord, just send a cloud. A cloud, and there was no clouds, and it could follow the car. Nobody would be weirded out by that. It would be fine. Or an airplane that would just block out the sun and just stay right over my car. That would be cool, too. Anything, anything at all. I just wanted to be set free from the heat. It was so crazy hot. Like, I got out and let the dog go to the bathroom, and I was, like, making sure he didn't melt a little bit. It was ridiculous. When I finally got to Houston, I was so excited because then I could I could take a shower and not just be gross, gross, uh, and check and make sure that my dog survived the trip. I was more, you can tell, I was more concerned about the dog than I was me. Uh, and, and it was awful when, when we would hit traffic. You'd hit traffic, like outside of a city, there'd be stoplights, and you're like, no, God, please, no stoplight. Turn them all green for me. Just set me free from the heat. It's ridiculous. It was, it was so overwhelming. And, and my thought, really, my thought process was, I just want to be set free from this temperature. This, this, is, this is awful. I'm going to k- kill my dog. Things, bad things are happening. I, I just don't want any of this to be what's going on. And the reality that I thought of then was, was you know, sometimes, Sometimes we're willing to do just about anything to be set free from a situation that we're in. Sometimes, like I would have paid almost any amount of money, everything in my bank account, if you can make my air conditioner work right this minute. Like if they could snap their fingers, I would have been like, yes, sure, take it. Because I was, I was overwhelmed by the heat. And, and sometimes that situation becomes more powerful in our lives than anything else. Sometimes we become overwhelmed by the situation we're in and we're willing to do just about anything to get through that. And freedom for us, especially on this day, on this weekend with my super, I don't know if they can see it online. I've got super cool flag shoes on. Uh, I, <laughs> like I, I bought these and I was like, oh yeah, I am. Oh yeah. Uh, because we're talking about faith, family, and freedom today. And we we started it by saying, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But what, what does that really mean? What does it really mean for us? Because as Americans, we take freedom pretty seriously. I mean, our first amendment was formed on this. It says freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of assembly, freedom of petition. There are so many things that we hold as these are our core values as Americans. We hold these things to be self-evident. You know, not all of the freedoms, but this is kind of the core of where we are as, as Americans. And, and the problem is we, we sometimes will sell our freedom short for a situation. Sometimes we'll allow uh, a situation to overwhelm us and, and say, you know, we're not going to be a part of that bigger freedom because I need freedom from this thing right now. And, and Paul says, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And we can sit there and go, well, what, what does that really, what does it mean? It is for freedom 
that we have been set free. And if we're selling ourselves short, if we sell our freedom short, then what we're doing is we're recognizing that while God offers us freedom in magnitude, we settle for freedom in comfort or situation. We settle. Instead of living fully into the freedom that God offers to us, we settle for what we can get, what we can get by with, what makes us comfortable. But God's, com- God's freedom is so much bigger than comfort. God's freedom is not for comfort or a change to a system. God's freedom is in a life lived in service to God and neighbor. That's the freedom that we've been called for. Actually, Paul, in a letter to the church in a place called Galatia, Paul was a a follower of Jesus after his resurrection. He was called the apostle to the Gentiles. That means everybody that wasn't a Jew, he went and like tried to talk, not every individual, but most of them, he tried to go and talk to you to start churches and build communities of faith so that they could come into a recognition, a realization of who Jesus was. And in this letter, he writes, he says this, it is for free that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not let your situation, do not let your discomfort take away the true freedom that you have received in Christ. You see, Paul was writing to this community of faith that he had actually founded He started this church. He went to Galatia and found a group of people that started listening to the good news of Jesus Christ and shared with them, and they came alive, and the church was vibrant, and they were doing amazing work in service to God and others. And then, then after Paul left, this group of folks showed up to the church in Galatia. They were known as the Judaizers. This is a great name, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to be a Judaizer, mostly because they got a really bad rap because it was wrong what they were saying. They said this, hey, it's great that you listen to Paul and you believe in Jesus, but now, now you have to follow the law. And the law they were referring to was the Old Testament law of dietary restrictions, of circumcision, and of obedience to a system that was supposed to bring you justification. Uh, It was this idea that Paul is like, wait, that's not what I told you guys. And yet they started to give in. They, the Galatians, started to give in to this concept of we need to obey the law that was written for the Old Testament. We need to do all the things that were, were required so that we can be there. Actually, what happened was the Judaizers were making it uncomfortable for them by telling them a different way of doing things. And they said, well, maybe we should just to get out of the discomfort or the uncomfortable situation that was being called, being explained to them. And so Paul, in, in his, uh, in his, only, only Paul could get away with this, uh, mostly because he planted that community of faith. And so in, in his nicest way, he says this, mark my words, I, Paul. So Paul is saying, hey, it is me that is saying this. I, Paul, uh, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated 
from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. If you're trying to follow the law, Paul says, then then you have no need for Jesus because you're going to try and do it on your own. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but the only person who ever successfully followed the law was Jesus. And so if you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to fail. You're not going to be able to make it. Paul is reminding them of the gift that they received from Jesus Christ, that there was a gift that was given. It was offered to them so that they could come to life in Christ, not so that they could follow a a set of rules and regulations, not so that they could enter into a system that would give them the means by which they could get there, but because God had done something so profound and offered it as grace so that everyone could have a relationship, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus had already done for you. And, and Paul reminds them of this. He says, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await the faith, uh, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We await by faith the righteousness that has been given to us by Jesus Christ. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Freedom in Jesus is expressed through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Paul makes this argument here. He says, hey, if you want to do it on your own, man, that's up to you. I don't recommend it at all. And Paul is an expert in the law, so he would be able to say whether or not it was a good idea. And Paul says, I don't recommend it at all. What I recommend is go back to what you thought of in the beginning, what I told you about, that you can be set free from slavery to sin and death, and you don't need to do anything but love in faith. Freedom is not in effort. It's not the work we do, but in receiving the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Freedom is given as a free gift so that we can be alive for Jesus, so that we can love whoever God puts in our path. And if you want to go it alone, hey, have at it. If you want to remember who Jesus is, and what Jesus did, then let's do that. And so Paul, Paul wants to then, uh, and this is my favorite part uh, of this whole interaction, is when Paul gets on his high horse about the Judaizers. He says this, uh, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who cut in on you? Who, who took you out? Who passed you up and then started slowing you down? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. That kind, of con- that kind of persuasion comes from the enemy. Paul is saying, hey, this isn't good news that they're telling you. This is the opposite. This is horrible news that, that you're going to try and enter into this relationship and it's going to be of no use for you. And so Paul is saying, hey, you have been set free from all of this. Why are you returning to it? And then my favorite part, absolute favorite part. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you know what that means, that's not good. Uh, He's saying, hey, the people that came and said, hey, you got to follow these rules, they should not be there. They should not be doing this. And Paul is serious about this. And the reason he's serious about this is because they are giving up their freedom in Jesus for comfort. They're giving up their freedom in Jesus for a system. And the truth is, Jesus didn't come to fix 
systems. Jesus doesn't care about systems. We have a system of government. We have a system of law. We have systems on how to get through the DMV lines. There are so many systems that we are surrounded by, and Jesus doesn't care about any of them. And I mean that very seriously. We're going to get to it. But we, we get bogged down by the systems. We fight the system because something is wrong. Now, I'm not saying that injustice should go unchecked. What I'm saying is the way we go about it is typically wrong. Jesus didn't care about the system. Jesus cared about the people. Jesus didn't care about the system. Jesus cared about the people. If you don't get anything else from today, that's the thing we need to carry with us. Because we focus on the system and people then lose their value if they're on the opposite side of the system. There was a woman that was caught in adultery. This is a story from from the Gospels. They brought her to Jesus and they said, hey, this woman was just caught in adultery. Should we stone her to death like the law says? Now, Jesus could have taken that time and said, you know what? I'm going to wax eloquent about the problems with this system. You know, the marriage system in the time of Jesus was a little skewed toward men. Women didn't have a place or a value. They were property. And Jesus could have said, hey, guys, you know, we're doing things wrong. We need to change the system. We need to make a difference. But instead of all of that, Jesus goes after the heart, the heart of the people that brought the woman there. And then the heart of the woman herself. He, he looks around and he's like, oh, let the f- person who is without sin cast the first stone. Let them do it. And they took a moment and realized that they were not in the place that they should be and departed. And then he turns to the woman. He doesn't say, okay, hey, they all left. You can go back to doing whatever you were doing. No, he says, go and sin no more. He addresses the heart of the crowd. And then he addresses the heart of of the woman, both sides of the system, one love from Jesus. Jesus's love was bigger than any system. And the problem is we look at the world in systems, Republicans, Democrats, socialists, communists, SCOTUS, POTUS, whoever it is you want to hate that's on the opposite side of your perspective, the opposite side of your system, the opposite side of your belief. And the problem is that when we do that, they don't stay people. They become them or the enemy. And when they're the enemy, it's easy to villainize or vandalize relationships with them, to hate instead of doing what Jesus called us to. And these are the same people that Jesus came to die for. And yet we look at them and we villainize them and we hate them in our self-righteousness. We sell our freedom to love everyone for some comfort. This is hard. We want to make the world a better place, but we forget that Jesus said to make the world a better place by loving your neighbor. Jesus didn't say, hey, go and make new systems. Jesus didn't say, hey, make a change in the world. Jesus said, go and love your neighbor. The best example of that that we have in recent history is the the civil rights movement by Martin Luther King. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, "I, I want us to love people so much that they can't respond in any way. We will counter their hatred with love. And it changed a lot of things. Uh, If we go back a little bit further, we have 
11 guys in an upper room that said, we're going to go and love people. They were against Rome and the temple, the two authorities in Jerusalem at the time, and 11 fishermen and sinners and tax collectors and even the women that were involved in this movement made a difference in the world that shook the foundations of governments and toppled everything. How did they do that? It was wasn't by making new systems it was by loving people where they were and and, and I, so i just like i it, it's i struggle with this greatly when was the last time that you saw somebody post some venomous or hatred uh, on their facebook page or as a comment to somebody on a facebook page and you were like wow that was great that was amazing. I am so, my, my, I, I had a different perspective before I saw that venom and anger and animosity that was put out. Did anybody? I've never been, I've, so, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I thought they were different than that. Maybe you should not post that. Call them up. Be like, hey, did you accidentally hit send? What's, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but that's great, right? None of that's useful. You know what would be amazing is if you see somebody that posts something that's in opposition to what you believe, you call and invite them to lunch. And, and if you view them as your enemy, I don't know. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus doesn't call us to a simple freedom of situations. Jesus calls us to freedom to be able to say, I don't care what system you follow. I love you because Jesus loves me and I'm going to give that to you. And Jesus wants us to be involved and active in a relationship with other people so that they can come to see the radical love and grace that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. This freedom that we receive from Christ cannot be taken away. It cannot be pulled from us. Nobody can take it from us. They can kill us, and we still have freedom in Jesus. This is the good news that we receive. But when we sell it short, when we allow systems to set us up, when we allow the world to be the thing that's driving our emotions and, and we put people in boxes uh, that we're going to hate and be unhappy with, then the problem is that we have us and them. And Jesus is like, you're all them. I don't know what's wrong with you guys, but we put them in, in those boxes. And, and Paul, Paul warns us about this. Actually, Paul warns us about social media 2,000 years ago. You guys are going to love this. He says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, here's his comments uh, about uh, about social media for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself if you bite and devour each other watch out you will be destroyed by each other if you're allowing a system to be the the thing that dictates who you care about and who you love and what you're doing you have sold your freedom short you've given it away you said, I, don't, I, I, I want a system rather than freedom. And, and focus on systems leads to us and them. And all of that has been what we have been called away from. We have been called to recognize that we, have, we serve one God. 
and one Lord, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us and for them, for each and every one of us. And there is no us in them because if there is a them, then, then wh- who are we? I, I don't even know that that made sense, but I'm excited about it. We, we serve a God that is bigger than our desires for the way we want the world to go. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to lay over and be like, no, injustice is just fine. No, it means that we stand up for injustice, but we do it in love, not in aggression. We do it in love, not in hatred. We do it in love, not in anger. We do it so that we can remain in our freedom so that we can live for Jesus Christ, so that we can share love and grace with everyone. And now, if you're, uh, Pastor Suzanne just really likes this. She likes three, three points. So these three points, they're just in it for you, Pastor Suzanne. There we go. How do we do this? What does it look like to do this? First, you have to receive God's grace. And I mean this very seriously, because if you don't recognize that maybe you have been a part, and when I say you on this one, I mean we. Maybe we have been a part of an us and them mentality in systems. Maybe we have been a part of quantifying or classifying people as they rather than as us. Then let's receive God's grace together because we need God's grace. We need that forgiveness that God offers to us so that we can come alive in Jesus Christ. And then when we have received God's grace, let's live for God's people, not just God's people like us, all of God's people. Pray for your, those who persecute you, love your enemies, all of God's people, and then share God's love. God calls us to something so much bigger than we give him credit for. We, we, we want comfort and freedom from situational issues. But God says you've been set free from death itself. So love my people. I think, I think if we embrace this, that we could just do that. And it would be so much different. That if we just did that, the world would take notice. Eleven guys in Jerusalem changed the world, toppled governments. Why? Because they loved their neighbor and they loved God. Let's do that. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ, for the freedom that you offer to us, not a freedom from from the governments or the rule of this world, but freedom from sin and death. And that we have been set free to love everyone. Help us to do that. Help us to embrace your life and the gift you give us. Help us to live fully into the promise and the freedom that you offer us. Help us to be more like Jesus now and forever. We ask this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, Amen.